me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. If you do not have a Bible, we invite you to take one of those black Bibles that are in the chairs. And if you don't have a Bible, we would like to give that Bible to you as a gift. And so please take it, write your name in it, and use it. Use it here and use it at home and read it and get somebody to help you learn to read it. If, if, if you take that black Bible, it's on page 978 in the black Bible. Don't assume that everybody is familiar with reading a Bible. And so the chapters are the big, letter, big numbers and what looks like footnotes are the verse numbers. And so we're going to look at chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Before I read that, I want to share a, a brief story that I heard from a, a pastor. I, as a pastor, I sometimes I, I fly on planes or I go on a public transportation or I sit in a waiting room or I talk with people. And a lot of times it eventually comes up, what do you do for a living? And I, I kind of wonder, okay, do I say I'm, I'm a pastor or a teacher or do I really like lower the boom on them? I'm pretty much a Baptist pastor. Um, well, well, this one, one pastor shared a story. I, I like what he shared. He had just finished a Ph.D. and he was going to take a Baptist church in, uh, on the East Coast and he met a, a distant relative, highly educated, hadn't talked to her in a long time, and she said, hey, I'm so proud of you. You got your doctorate and all of that. What are you going to do? And he, he said, I'm going to be a Baptist pastor. And she said, oh. She said, I have no room for organized religion. And so he responded, could you, could you tell me why that's the case? She said, well, you see, I've, I've been around churches well enough to see that they're a place full of vipers. And the future pastor said, yes, yeah, you're probably right. But do you really think that the world outside of the church is any better? She put her head down and said, eh, probably not. The difference is, at least in a faithful gospel-preaching church, we know we're vipers. And we're repenting vipers. The world outside doesn't know they're vipers. At least far too often. He said to him, said to her all those things and said, and there's always room for one more brother than I. This congregation consists of 107 adult members, souls that have been have said they commit to the church, who confess they've received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, have been baptized as a believer, and they purpose together to walk in Christian love, the prosperity of this church, as God defines prosperity, not as the world does, and to commit to holiness testimony to the world, and a focus on the advancement of Jesus Christ's kingdom. Apart from those members, there are many others of you that are here, probably at least 60, who are, are I believe, are Christians. They're, you're serving and, and getting involved, and you're part of this church, so that's another 60. And then 
that, that in, then that doesn't include probably another 30 to 35 teenagers that consider this their church, and, and then plus probably about 35 or 40 little kids, elementary kids, and so that brings us to about 240 souls that are connected and consider this their church. I am in my third sermon on a series on the life of the local church using our church covenant, an obscure statement to most churches that's often in their doctrinal, in their constitution or bylaws, that we want to bring out and go, look at this. This is, this is beautiful. This is the way God calls us to behave with one another. Let's make it meaningful, or if we don't think it's a good thing, let's change it. And we said we think it's a good thing. But of course, the Bible is our authority, so let's match it up to the Word of God and let's let the Word of God drive us. And we believe that this document called the Church Covenant or a, a promise of a commitment to one another before God and to God, this is the third sermon on that. Here's the question I want to ask each of us this morning. Do you love the church? Do you love this church? love the people in this church? Do you really love them? Are you committed to loving the people at Faith Church of Enoch? Or another line. Let me, let me just take it at another angle to get your attention here this way. Who in this church annoys you? Don't answer that, please. You can answer by going to them and seeking to love them. Who in this church has questioned your motives? Who in this church has violated your trust in human hope? Who can you only just say, Why so negative, Pastor? Well, if you commit to being in the lives of a large group of people, and you're really committed to it, and you're in their lives, well, you're going to have this. You're going to deal with questions like this. And the marks of Christian love, committed Christian love, is demonstrated by how we care and treat one another that even meet those categories that I just mentioned. Are you close enough engaged enough, committed in your time enough, in your energy and emotion enough to actually have potentially difficult relationships and conversations? Is church an 11 a.m. Sunday relationship, and that's it, and it turns out only half of those Sundays, is the church for you or is the church for you a seven-day-a-week reality because it isn't just a gathering on Sunday mornings, but a committed family of believers who do gather, but we purpose to walk together in Christian love seven days a week, providing a mutual care and accountability for one another for the sake of Jesus Christ that's seen in our text. Is it a weekly optional spiritual vitamin that you take occasionally, sometimes great, sometimes too long, sometimes boring, sometimes unrelatable, sometimes great in boosting of encouragement, and therefore you're glad you did it. You feel better for the week. Or is it an everyday of the week family? This family reunion 
They say to themselves, Ah, see how they love me. They're committed, they're devoted to their fellow Christians of faith. Do your children see that you love a specific group of people called the church? The church, and they know that you are committed to pursue their greatest possible spiritual good for the fellow brothers and sisters who are faith. Christian love is our subject this morning because, well, it's all over the Bible, and it's right at the beginning of the charge or commitment to recognize the first covenant. Let me read a few passages of Scripture. I ask you to turn to Ephesians 5. Listen to Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Paul says this, Therefore, now, he's just been saying how they are to be one body and one body in Christ, and they are to be united, and they're supposed to act in a certain way. So now he says, therefore, be imitators of God, of beloved children. How many of you had little kids that just totally taught you? My, my kids would watch me lifting weights. And they would be lifting little dumbbells or little things. They would just imitate because they wanted to be like them. Imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Live in love. As Christ loved us, and you know it doesn't say an occasional helper, he gave himself. There's a lot of other passages I could point to. I'm just going to just send you a few. First Thessalonians 4, 9 says, Now just hear these words. Concerning brotherly love, Paul writes to a church. Imagine he's talking. Now concerning brotherly love, say church, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. John 13, talking to the disciples after washing their feet. A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I love you, you all for to love one another. By this all people will know that you're mine, my disciples, if you love one another. John what first John four says, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is love, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. First Peter 4 says, keep loving earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. It covers, you love it, it just overlooks offenses and, and forgives and forbears for the greater good of the believer. Sometimes it confronts, but it cares, it shows hospitality. Love is patient and kind and doesn't boast, and it's not arrogant, it's not rude, it's doesn't insist on its own way. And if you go on in 1 Corinthians 13. So our covenant says this. Our covenant says that we're led by the Holy Spirit to receive Christ, 
I'm going to skip through this. This is the first statement in the second paragraph of our covenant. We'll probably bring the covenant, the whole covenant out to you in the next couple weeks again. And you can look at it. It's this. We will purpose, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, to walk together in Christian love. Listen to that again. We will purpose, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, to walk together in Christian love. It's not a difficult or unpopular statement for any pastor or any leader of a group to say to their organization, you need to love people. You go, okay, that sounds right. But I'm not just saying you need to love people. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. You need to commit to loving people. Big emphasis, commit. Commit to love one another. So here's my charge to the church this morning. Charge to myself and to the congregation here. Faith Church, commit to love the people of your local congregation. I I do think that this is a Christian message. I believe that God would be honored if we would do this. Faith Church, commit to love the people of your local congregation. If you're not a member, I hope you'll see the meaningfulness of membership, of of a formal commitment, and then acting out, we'd act out that commitment. If you're visiting this church, and you're part of another congregation, you're just here this morning, I hope you apply it to your own congregation. If you're a Christian, you must take this to heart. This is not an optional thing, I think, from the Scriptures. We are called to follow Jesus and love one another. And I think specifically the means in our local congregation. Loving locally. Not vaguely to everybody. Yes, we love everybody, but we love locally in a unique and special way. If you're not a Christian, because I believe that every Sunday there are some in here that are just visiting and that God's working them and God's drawing them. If you're not a Christian, don't judge Christ ultimately by his representative of Christians. We get, we understand that if you think that the claims of Christ are really credible and that he is Lord and Savior and the only one, it really ought to make a difference in those who take his name as Christians. We hope you'll see in a true Christian in us as a church a true Christian love that is imperfect, yes, but authentic and sincere. Without hypocrisy and humble and kind and even relentless and honest and enduring. We don't claim to be perfect people. We're far from that. We're sinners saved by grace, being changed little by little. By His power, we're instructed to show patience and love to one another, which means that there are going to be people that need our patience and our forbearance and our forgiveness. But if you're an unbeliever, a non-Christian, I invite you this morning to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today. He's the only Savior and He is Lord. He died on the cross and He rose again to take the guilt and punishment for your sin and every sin that for every person who looks to Him alone is entered the kingdom of heaven. Here's our message to us. Commit to love the people of your congregation. So a few words on that. I really had that divided. So commitment. Commitment. Some say it's the state of the quality of being dedicated to a cause or an activity. So I'm saying, would you commit to love your local congregation. 
And when I say, we should say, when I say love you, I mean actually that I'm committed to working to love you even when it's hard. It means sacrifice of time if I'm committed. It means if I'm committed to something like running or losing weight or meeting a goal that's difficult. It means time and energy and commitment and often money and reputation even. But you're going after that goal. And our goal, our commitment is to love. I'm committed to you. I can, you can count on me. That's the way God has showed God. There's many places you can see it in the whole Bible. But we see it so rising to the top when she talks about in Jeremiah. She gave the covenant that he was going to fulfill in Jesus. And she says this. I will make an everlasting covenant. Think a covenant of commitment that I will not turn away from doing good to them. These are sinners. I'm not going to stop doing good for them. And I will put my fear in their hearts and they will not turn from me. I will rejoice, God says, in doing them good. And I will plant them in this land in faithfulness with all my heart and with all my soul. So commit. Is it a duty? Or a delight? Well, sometimes it's going to be both. I think the more we obey and the more we commit, we realize that what is a duty at first, because God tells me to do it, becomes a delight and a privilege and a joy. He starts to work in my life and realize what He's done for me. Commit to love. What is love? Well, there's a lot of ways of defining love. I'm gonna, I want to pose one to you. You want it? Don't. Love is a commitment to pursue the greatest good for your brother and sister. You could say to your enemy too and to your neighbor. Yes, we're to love both of those deeply. But for this, it, it is a commitment to pursue the greatest possible good for your brother and sister. It is the pursuit of what's best. The pursuit of what's best always for every single person is what? It is a personal relationship with God, a growing relationship with God, an obedience and a communion with God. There'll come a day when every one of us will stand before the righteous judge and we will care. We will not care a lot about so many things that we invest so much time and so much money in today. And it's going to be one thing we'll care about. Our relationship with God, not just what I get saved and pray a prayer. Things that he has called me to invest. Did I, did, did I, or did I just continue to just drift off and, and just leave him behind? There's nothing more important than the condition of our souls. What does it profit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Love is, we can say a lot of things about this pursuing the best possible good for someone. It means and includes it's giving and service. It means we give to one another. We give our forgiveness. We give our forbearance. We give our blessings. We give our prayers. We give our hope to one another. We serve one another. We meet their needs. We care for them. But we do it all with a sense of, I'm loving them because I want them to be moved and melted in their hearts towards an openness to the greatest good possible the greatest good possible 
be connected to their relationship with their maker and their their potential savior if they're not saved and their savior if they've been saved. So we need to commit to love people. I'm calling you to commit to love people. Not just an idea or a vague purpose. Yeah, you need to go, go and love, church. No, love people. Love real people. And when you get to know real people, they're not as impressive as we thought. You're not as impressive as you thought, and neither am I. When we get closer, that means we are to love and care for and be committed to love and pursue the best from people who have bad breath, bad body odor, irritation, personality problems, tempers, and all those kind of things. They have things that have been shaped in them by nurture, bad nurturing, and they have things that are by nature, maybe sin nature, fallen worldness. Real people are sinners, and you're called to love them. And they're called to love you, imagine that. We can be tempted to be irritated and to judge and to do a lot of opinionating and jumping to conclusions and using other people, and they'll do that to you. And you'll do that to them sometimes. It's very possible. Love is, and at times includes, a feeling of a deep affection or emotion, but it's not just that. It is a commitment to pursue in people their greatest good. Peter said, keep on loving one another earnestly, because love covers a multitude of sins. And the last thing I want to say on this is commit to loving people of your congregation. Commit to love the people of here, of faith. Here I challenge you to have an exclusive type of love, but don't get me wrong here, I'm not saying, and, and therefore be cold outsiders. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying a special type of godly love to your own congregation. Compare this to the love that you may have to your own biological family. I love my three teenage kids, Grace, Paul, and Elijah. I love them so much. There's a unique, special devotion I have, a unique prayer life I have for them, an investment I have for them. And I am called to, and I think I do, and I'm going in loving the teens in this church. But there is a special love I have to my kids because they're uniquely mine. Now, I want to take that comparison to the church. You and I are to have a love, a unique love for all brothers and sisters in Christ because we are united with them in Christ. And so I want it, we need to have that. And we, more than that, the Bible says we should love our neighbors as ourselves, and that might be a Christian or a non-Christian. We are to love our enemies. But Paul wrote to the Galatians, as we have opportunity, let us do good to one another, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. There is a type of commitment that we have to those that we have committed with one another that should be special and unique not sectarian or elitism, but like a, a, a deeply devoted family, a loyalty. When one of your members in this church sins bigly, you grieve because you are hurt. You love them and you're committed to them. When you see one acting badly, you're burdened 
rather than avoid. Why is it that this matters? Because we recognize that God has brought us together in a special way. We have a unique and special commitment to love one another. We are the purpose to walk together in Christian love as our covenant, our covenant says. This doesn't mean that, as I said, this means we love all, but we love uniquely and specially those in this church. God loves the world, but he uniquely loves his people. We have a special way of uniquely loving each other. So I, I want to list and say to you then, so why should we do this? Would you listen up to this? Because I'm going to give some, some reasons why you should love one another earnestly, why you should commit to love two people in this congregation or wherever congregation you're committed to and part of. And I believe that as you hear this, this is vital to our being melted and moved to actually have the ability to love. I, I laid out a few reasons. One is we're commanded by the Lord. That should be enough, right? He told me to, I have to love. I, I, I gotta love. Jesus told me to. He's my Savior and my Lord. I mean, he's my boss. He, he calls the marching orders and I'm gonna obey him. He would never tell me to do something bad. I need to follow him. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. A new commandment I give to you. Just as you, I have loved you, you are to love one another. Have you considered that reason? God tells you to love and I say commit to love one another in this congregation. God doesn't just put care back there. He doesn't just say, okay, we trust you. He actually gives us more motivation. Two, we are to love, commit to love one another in this body because we are loved. We are loved. We are so enwrapped and surrounded by the great and beautiful, merciful love of our God through Jesus Christ, I don't think we comprehend how beautiful and how glorious it is. John says, or Jesus says, just as I have loved you, so love one another. The passage I read at the beginning, Ephesians 5, walk in love as Christ loved us and He gave Himself for us. We were in such a pitiful state, apart from Jesus, going in our own way, bound to be con con forever condemned because of our sin, and rightfully so, and God in His mercy pulled us out of the mire that we had jumped in and said, Mine. Forgiven at the cost of, here's my son, that I love. And you are my children, child now, and I am going to forever inherit I mean, you're going to be my inheritance, and I'm going to give you every benefit of a child, and I'm while you're on this earth, I am not going to stop doing good for you, even though at times it's not going to look good, because it's going to be come in the form of trial, but I'm shaping into you a capacity so that for ever and ever, you will enjoy my love, and I will just pour out joy and pleasure in my fellowship with you forever. We are loved, brothers and sisters. The amazing grace and mercy of God is so abundant. Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, said, I, I'm afraid you don't get how great God loves you. So I've got to pray it 
filled with the height and the depth and the breadth and the length and to know the love of God and to be filled with all the fullness of God. Can you know that those that know their love have the greatest capacity to love others? And when we withhold our love to one another at that moment, we, we think at that moment that, well, maybe we've just earned God's love and so we can kind of just hold on to it and not extend it to others. Same logic, well, we were forgiven much, but do we need to forgive others? God loves us. God loves you in Jesus. If you're not a Christian, would you receive that love through Jesus Christ today? Third one is that God loves them. It is helpful for you and me to look across to the person we actually like but also the person that we struggle with liking in a church. After you get to know them, you can say, well, we clash. Our love personalities just really aren't together. We need to look at that person and go, God loves them immensely. He sent His Son for her. He bled and died for her. Paul says it this way when he's pleading with the church elders. He said, you should watch over your souls and care for your flock which God has called you to watch over, which He obtained with His own blood. Would you look at the person you're supposed to commit to love in this congregation as someone that's bought by the blood of Jesus? You're a precious thing, but God loves that person so much. And you are to love the person Christ died for. That's life. The other reason is it's, it's it's actually a mark of authentic faith. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but frankly, if you have no love for your brother and sister of Christ, you don't have a reason to think you're a Christian. It's a hard statement, but it's an expression of what the Bible says over and over again. God is love. And if you're of God, He starts to put love in you. That doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. That doesn't mean you have your bad moments. And that doesn't mean there's times where you got to ask for forgiveness because you weren't loving. But if a person says he knows God and has not love, how could he think he's been born of God? Read First John 4, 7 through 11. By this are, is evidence who are the children of God and who are of the devil, he says in First John 3, that whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, the last reason I want to give to you is we are to love, commit to love one another in this church. Because God would get glorified and the world would see God's glory and they would be, they'd be one. They'd be one over. They would be impacted. Do you realize that your love for one another is a testimony, saints? It's a testimony of God. It's a testimony of who you are. John says, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. God's an invisible God. If you're an unbeliever here, you might go, Hi, you're asking me to believe in somebody who's visible? How do I do that? You know that you, brothers and sisters, make God's love visible by the way you love sacrificially and committedly to one another. It's not enough to just love. You've got to give the message of the gospel and offer it to them to be saved. But we show the invisible love of God to sacrificially loving one another in our deeds. By, all, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples, Jesus said, if you have a love for one another. 
before. My Father is glorified when you see His glory. When you bear fruit, fruit, fruit so that you're my disciples. The, the watching world needs us to love them. The watching world, your neighbors and your family, they need an authentic, loving church on this road on Silver Lake that gather every Sundays and Wednesdays who spread out in small groups and Bible studies and in homes and reach out to their neighbors and they see a committed pursuit of walking together in Christian love that's supernatural and is motivated because they have been loved and they, the other person has been loved by God. And to mark this, this is a disciple. Okay, I'm just going to finish with this. So how do we do this? I want, I want to just suggest to you how do we how do we better commit to walk in Christian love? How do we better commit to love the people of this congregation? I mean, I could start naming names. I'm just going to name a. I got 107 names right here. The members, and then I have our attenders. I mean, James and Jan, Jan and Brent and Jessica and Don and Norma who are here this morning. Such a great to have you here. Ethan and Rachel and Jason and Jennifer, John and Linda, Tammy. Mike and Dee, Todd and Carolyn and Jay and Barb and Clayton and Jeremy and Jack, I, I could go on. I just got to those Christians this morning. How do we do this? I, I hope you're asking that. I hope you don't say, well, that's not for me. No, if you're a Christian, it is, this is for you. You can't dispute it. So you say, it's for me. And I think we all need to say we can grow in these areas. Say how? First of all, you can't do it alone. You can't love like God wants you to love in your own steam, your own effort, your own self-reliance. That's why our covenant actually wisely says, we will purpose, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, to walk in Christian love. Now, what is the aid of the Holy Spirit? Every believer, every saved person is given, whether they totally feel it or not, they are given the influence and the dwelling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit that is more powerful than we could ever be. And it is meant to produce change in our lives more wonderful and beautiful. It's bringing heaven on earth. Because it's God's Spirit coming into our soul and changing us. God uses Jesus to make that change happen gradually. You thought maybe if we changed instantly, we couldn't handle it. But God, God gradually changes us. So we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. So I say, let's start by going, God, help me. I need you to do it. Will you give me love by your Holy Spirit? Will you give me a compassion? Will you give me this? Let me just, let me just list you some lists. And so one or two of them might just stick on you. Or maybe a bunch of them. Or maybe throughout the week as you think about this, and I'm sure you're going to watch this sermon or listen to it about three or four more times, right? Um, on, our, on our website. Here's some ways that you could pursue. You can and should be pursued in prayer to God for love. Here, here are them. Would you love the congregation with your time? Spend time with your family. That can be applied in a lot of ways. I'm not going to list that one. It's just prayer. I tell you or quite often, would you please take a church directory and turn it into a prayer book? Would you pray two pages a day? You'll get through the church at least twice a month. 
And would you pray for even people you do not know because you are committed to them to love and it's going to open your heart to literally feel love. But commit to pray for them. Would you you do it with our presence at gatherings? It is a loving thing for you to come even when you don't want to. Trust that God has you to be here. This is, this is your people and your ministry presence matter. Come Sunday, come Wednesday. If this service can help and you see there's a need, a practical need of, of literal service, whether there's children's ministry or cleaning or there's a special need or a meal to be prepared, helping with that. This personal growth in your Lord, one of the greatest ways you love the body is by you care about your own soul. You giving back to them. You pray. I mean, what good, how can you help people if you just leave? It's unaffected by God and His Word. You need to grow. The books that I try to give you on Sundays, would you please take them and read them and build yourself up so you can, you have a responsibility to grow, not just for your sake and for your wife and kids or your husband and kids or for your parents, but for your church. With a ministry mindset versus a self-centered mindset. Ministry mindset says, oh, here's something I can go to. How can I serve and be a blessing? Maybe even not volunteering, but just going there with a ministry to, hey, here's somebody right there. No one's talking to her. I'm going to go talk to her. I don't know her, or I've had a hard time talking to her. But I'm glad Jesus doesn't treat me like that when I'm hard to talk with. A ministry mindset says I'm coming not because I thought that I could get something from the buffet line, the best spiritual service the church is providing for me. So I'm going there to minister to one another in love. And in, in turn, I actually realized that I got something I needed. I needed to love. I need love and I needed to love. Would you love with the sharing of the Word of God with one another? Seek the truth and love those truths of God's Word? Would you let the Word of God dwell in you richly, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Would you, would you love one another by learning to love and sing and sing together and encourage one another, participate that way? With, the, with your money, both in offerings and the encouragement that brings to others, there's some that give a whole lot and some that don't. I don't know who, who you are to give. I don't want to learn that. I, that's not my job to do that, but you know, and will you do it by giving and giving to others and putting a budget in your life to say, I'm going to be generous to one another. It's about not having a scarcity mindset, rather a generosity mindset to one another. Love with your hospitality, both at home. Have someone in your home, somebody that you don't know as well, and have somebody in hospitality, even at church, just welcoming them in, inviting them. Christ has invited us. And with reaching out for help, one of the ways you can love is by actually, when, you're, when you need help, ask for help. Man, my wife sometimes says, Daniel, you ask for help way too much. Um, I'm really needy. I'm really needy. But it's also one of the ways I really get to know people. Um, I talked with Richie, my neighbor, who had his hip replacement. Pray for him. He should be back next Sunday. He has a hard time asking for help. So you got to ask, Richie. Oh, yeah, I know. I was like, would you mind when I ask you for help? No, I'm glad you do. That's how we have a friendship. Ask for help. Be, be humble and loving enough to ask for just practical help, and there you build a relationship 
and then it becomes reciprocal. You're, you're ready to help them when they, they need help. That's what family do. I remember when we were going on one of our first trips, we had rabbits. My daughter has rabbits, and we like to them, have to watch them. We're going to have to bring them with us to Wisconsin. And, and Lee Mundy said, um, my, neither I or my dad, Gordon, will feed them. And I'm like, come every day to feed them? That's a lot. And he's like, that's what family do. Why wouldn't we do that? Why wouldn't we be, quote, inconvenienced for one another? There are some of you in this church that if I said, and I hope that you said to them too, hey, I have a favor, they already say yes before you ask the question. Because if they possibly can, they're going to do it. That's, that's what we do in love. There's this gift of generosity in our hearts to minister. Spiritual conversations. We love each other when we say, how are you doing spiritually? And it's awkward and we go, I don't know. And we learn to talk about spiritual things together, making it not awkward but real. Or we love with the way you talk about the church to outsiders. You're careful. I I just want to guard. Yes, we're imperfect, but I want, this is my church. I love them. Not for some sectarian, the name of faith church in itself, but for the name of Christ to be honored. Or with thoughtfulness about the potential needs or pains of others. One of love is to say, you know what? You're going through this, and you didn't even ask for help, but I'm wondering if there's this need and this need. I'm going to check with you. I'm going to, I don't, you, well, she'll never ask, so I'm just bringing them to you. Um, with access, seek to bear one another's burdens. By the way, on Central, there's like a bunch of meals planned for um, several families. John's having surgery this week. We prayed for him and love him, and he'll, he'll love it that I just pointed him out there. Thanks, man. Um, the thoughtfulness about it's, it's having a discipling mindset. Love your brothers and sisters by going, hey, there's that guy there. I'm going to get together and have coffee every once in a while and just talk about the Bible together. That I'm reading and what he's reading. And if we're not reading anything, we start to read the Bible together. Or my sister in Christ, or ladies with ladies, or young, it's joining up and being prayer partners with youth. Doing life together, just ordinary things together. Let's just have Friday night pizza together. Confronting sin whether we need to see sin because we care about one another. Saying no to lesser things that get in the way. Things will get in our lives that will keep us from being committed to love one another. And in fact, I'm going to say no to this and this so I have margin so I can love one another. Being flexible enough to help one another. Sending notes and making phone calls or texts. One person in this church started taking this prayer book, this prayer book, our directory, started praying through it, and if they didn't know their number or whatever, went on Facebook, found them, and started messaging with them and said, I don't really know you, but I'm praying for you. Is there anything that I can do to pray for you? What an encouragement that was for that other member. Um, with a greeting spirit before and after services, coming, coming maybe a little bit early and coming, staying a little bit late so that we can reach out and help one another. With use of your spiritual gifts with reading the books that are handed out feeling like you have a responsibility to others to actually go out deep and help other people with forgiving one another with forbearance for one another so sum all this up and conclude with this Here, here's the practical homework in six words so if you're a note taker here's the six words depend, initiate, pray Persevere, exercise, and behave. There you go. Did you get that? Depend. I know. Would you depend? Be. Would you depend?
love, can we do this one on each other? Love each other better. Would you depend on God? You can't do this on your own. And would you initiate? Don't be passive. Love is not passive, but it's active. It's an action verb. It's caring. It's commitment. It's going after the needs of others, but ultimately because you're out for their greatest good, which is God. And then along with this, pray, peace, pray for self. You've got to pray for yourself. Man, God, help me out with that. Thinking of the people, brothers. Lord God, help me. Help me to love. Lord God, thank you for helping me love. And then finally, for one another. Lord, and persevere. Don't give up. Don't. I did that. I tried that, Pastor Dan. I prayed for a whole month, and nothing came. Persevere. Be like a farmer. You grow, and you don't look at the crop every day to see why it, that seed hasn't come out yet. You trust the God of the harvest, and we forbear. We have perseverance in trials and tribulations, and when people mistreat you or hurt you, it's okay. Well, we can respond to God's word. E is okay. I, I put the word exercise. What it, Paul said, exercise yourself for godliness. What I mean by that is when we exercise, we're like doing self training. But I don't mean go get go work out and go for a walk. Those are all good things. But I mean exercise yourself towards godliness. One of the most loving things you can do is to truly seek God so you can be a blessing to your 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 friends and neighbors. Parents, dads, one of the greatest ways you can love your your family, your wife and your kids, is to love God more. Is to grow in God so that you have any really good capacity in any way to love your children, to love your wife. So exercise yourself to grow so you can be any benefit, spiritual benefit to others. And lastly, daily, would you embrace a daily, everyday type of love, seven-day-a-week love in your church? That doesn't mean you come to this church seven days. Of course not. There's going to be times where you're gone even for weeks because you're, maybe you have, you have a vacation plan, you're gone, but you think about vacations in regards to the church, not just your own individual self, but you think in terms of, okay, I've been praying and now I'm going to reach out. Every day, the church matters in my life. Now, if you were following, this is pretty corny, but B-I-P-P-E-D, that means get. That's their, five, their six words, depend, and initiate, pray, persevere, exercise. I mean, we're members of the church, we've been baptized, we've been dead. Um, that's pretty corny, but God, but God's not corny. But Christ's love is awesome and transformative in our lives. Imagine if all 200, let's just say 170, 180 adults modeling it to the teens and to the kids, and the kids modeling it to us, Say we were all committed to Christian love to the people of this church by the aid of the 